Pod Save the King. Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the King. I'm your host Anne Griffo. I'm here with Daily Mirror Royal Editor Russell Myers. Hello. 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 <laughs> hello. He is. He is. Wow. The tension is mounting. I feel like we're on like you know. Was it Britain's Got Talent or they're when you're finding out who's going to be the winner and the whole nation is waiting for the big one. That's how I feel. So we're recording on Thursday afternoon. The coronation is less than two days away. There's been lots going on this week to talk about, which are obviously big coronation update and reflection on all of that. Another recipe for you. I promise we're not turning into a cooking podcast. Just like we're not... <laughs> recipe for disaster. I think that's what we're... Well, we're on. Well, no, it sounded, it sounded quite good. I'm a bit tempted, but maybe not this weekend. Too many other things going on already. Uh, and then a bit of a roundup of the royal news. And um, to follow up from last week's featuring of Camilla as patron with our interview with the Battersea Dogs and Cats Home C- CEO. Um, today, it's the Samaritans chair, Keith Leslie, talking about what Prince Charles is like as a royal patron. So that's at the, the back end of the podcast. And we hope you really enjoy that. So it was great to hear from him what Charles is like to work with um, and also his involvement in sort of the mental health type sphere, which we often associate, or certainly I do, with the younger royals. But firstly, let's start with the party, Russell. Yes. You went to the palace yesterday. I did. I'm in the good books with Mrs. Myers because I took her this year. I took my mummy last year. <laughs> and, and, uh, but, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to get in front of my mum and no. uh, chance to go to the palace. So, Does that yeah. mean it's my turn next year? Perhaps, perhaps. There's a long, there's a long <laughs> list of people who have been requesting to go with me. I I'm, bet. I'm not sure I'll go again because I've chanced my arm twice now. It's been amazing weather both years and so I, I don't want to tempt fate I'll bring an umbrella it's fine Russell I mean I'll... it's been windy and pretty blustery I've seen on previous occasions but you never know you so never the, know the king's first garden yeah, party yeah pretty cool pretty cool so tell us what it's like at a garden party for those of us who have not yet had well, an invitation even as your plus one there are a lot more deserving people than I several thousand more deserving but it was very very um, nice and super privileged to be invited and of course um I got to meet some of the people who have been there and there was awful lot of people from not only across the UK but from across the Commonwealth like Prince's Trust people we met there Lionel Richie was there for a bit of stardust with the king he was getting very excited I mean I wish I could bottle his exuberance for the coronation because he was he was on a high he was he was really really going for it yesterday he was talking about how excited he was how it was going to be the best show on earth how he played the 84 olympics i think and he did the grammys and he's done the oscars and he's like this will be like the complete set how often do you get to even witness let alone be involved in a coronation so he is going to be there I think he's going to be... He's in the Abbey. Is he in the Abbey? Yeah, he's in the Abbey. And then he's obviously going to be singing at the Coronation Concert. So, And he was pretty cash because we were... Um, one of my colleagues was speaking to him and he was saying you know me and the king we've known each other for a couple of years and uh, you know just like we're just hanging out old pals so it was it was pretty cool he's a nice guy very cool and did you get to um, hobnob with the royals as well we did a little bit of hobnobbing it gets very busy and I don't like to sort of muscle in because I've sort of seen them before and my wife's pretty short so she couldn't see over people's heads but we did see the royals at least was there any noticeable difference with um, the king's garden party compared compared to the previous hostess? I think, um, I never went to one with the... 
Oh, I did see the Queen last year, I think. Um, I can't remember. Well, it would have been her. It was her, during her, her reign. It was her garden it's party, her house, even yeah. if it was not. Well, certainly, I think the. Um, and don't hold me to this, but I got the impression that the King stayed an awful lot longer than the other royals last year. And we definitely had the Prince of Princess of Wales, possibly Sophie and Edward last year. And the King was out there for a long time. Certainly, I got the impression they sort of come out there's a few people taken to them but he was definitely enjoying the moment and i think probably because we've had they've had so many rehearsals so many things to worry about um you know talks of coronation chaos planning and, and the like which uh the palace i i do have some sympathy with the organizers because this is the biggest show on earth isn't it so um no doubt a welcome respite from the planning uh to go to his own garden garden party have a few cakes have a nice the spread is pretty impressive the bread the uh we had um pea and mint sandwiches ham sandwich or little finger sandwiches and it's not a buffet so you can't go and just run up well is it kind of a buffet but you get you get um you get served and you get tea and china cups and very very nicely pressed apple juice organic apple juice well stand all while standing up all well standing up. You know, there are seats. There it's, are seats. Yeah. There's always that thing of like how you balance having a cup of Oh no, we perched a on, a, on a pew. And a plate and the, managed to eat things at the at, same time. We perched on a pew outside the uh or the, well, the columns holding up the marquee. But we had a lovely walk around the grounds and uh yeah, people were commenting on my wife's dress quite a lot. She was in resplendent yellow. Yeah, check out Russell's Instagram to see yes, lovely pictures. Yes, it was I'm very not, nice. Not jealous at all of your lovely day out. There it was go. lovely. It was nice. It was a welcome couple of hours because Katie obviously says she's a bit of a uh, a, a, a royal war widow because I'm now going to disappear into myself for a few days and I'm now I'm just staying in London so I'm not even at home so oh, well shout hello out to Mrs. Mrs. Myers hello if she's Mrs. Listening. Myers enjoy the peace and quiet without him exactly other people are dealing with him so um and we've seen William and it does feel like the party is sort of building up and starting we see William and Kate out today in Soho down the dog and duck I know which yeah is, which like is this. which is a classic name for a pub I mean it's that it's that sort of stereotypical name you go to if someone's gone somewhere like it's not a very um you know, if you if you're sort of making a joke about some relatively rough bang average pub, probably possibly with a football team or that kind of thing, I'm sure you know this is like an establishment, it's, right? In it's town. very British, isn't it? And yeah. right, I mean, could you get an even more British day? There is a cor- coronation being planned. They're going on the tube. They went to a pub in Soho poured a few pints, drank a little bit of one. And then uh, William's talking about, you know, having conversations in pubs and it's all, it's all so much better than restaurants. And, <laughs> you know, I, so I do feel for him sometimes. But, you know, they were saying about the rehearsals and Kate was speaking about Louis, oh, sorry, not Louis, George and how he's uh, getting excited and everyone's feeling a little bit nervous, but everyone's calming down a little bit because we've had some of the rehearsals. So... It's uh, what did she say? We're getting our ducks in a row. Oh, the dog and ducks in, in the a dog row. and ruck. Very yeah. Good. So I mean, there is a lot to be planned, and gosh, is the British weather going to hold out? I don't know. Oh, because it's been before, glorious this can week. Can we just comment quickly though on Prince William's inability to pull a pint? It was the like, it was so cloudy. I haven't frothy. seen him. As who um, did it? William. William. I did. mean, Kate was looking very closely, and but Kate. You know, it's a good thing she's not on the tube very often. She broke the cardinal rule. What did she do? She stood on the left of the escalator. Oh God, no! You can tell they don't use the no, tube. That's that's the walking, you know, running. The, the whole facade the has been exposed yeah. at once. 
but there we go. But no, it's lovely that they're on the Elizabeth line as well, obviously. Um, Which is still gleaming, actually. I've only ridden it once or twice, but it is absolutely gorgeous. It's very speedy. Um, before we move into the sort of, you know, the nuts and bolts of what's been going on with the coronation, I wanted to ask you, how are you feeling about it? Because I was thinking yeah. I was thinking about it as I was coming into work today, you know, saw the bunting up in Waterloo. Sadly, no soldiers. I mean, all I've seen is pictures this week of soldiers in railway stations. I've seen a lot. Of, I've been very blessed, actually. But no soldiers in Waterloo station. So probably they're getting some shut eye after their overnight, mm. um, overnight rehearsals before the big day. But um, and going down into the the tube and are thinking about like oh well you know we've sort of had big events like this before we've had the weddings because we and we we sort of know how they're going to be and ultimately the thing that matters there is it's a couple pledging themselves to each other and that's it's a big celebration of that that's nice and then the queen's funeral obviously we never really quite knew how that would be and how that would feel but again that was remembering someone and a life of service and even if you were not a royalist it was a very much you know kind of a respect and a, a person who has been in in our lives since forever, forever essentially yeah, and, for a lot, and of, lot of the country whatever you think of royalty did try to bring life of service life of duty to it so we've had those things but then we've got this we've got the coronation and maybe it's because i've been reading um the bits about the, sort of the republican feel in different parts of the commonwealth and the we'll talks this week about the protests with the um there was a person arrested earlier in the week after things went over into the Buckingham Palace Gardens. But there's sort of that. But it's also just like, you know, we've never experienced a coronation. There's been a long, big build-up. Is it going to deliver? I kind of feel like on the eve of the Olympics, when we had the big responsibility, was it going to be brilliant or was it going to be a little bit embarrassing and all a bit oh, British? Oh, don't say that. No, like, oh. I know. I mean, because I do think the weather is going to play a big part because London has been gorgeous the last couple of days and the forecast isn't great but I'm ever the optimist because I remember they said this about the Queen's Platinum Jubilee and it was stunning all weekend and I do think you know if it's a bank holiday weekend here and if it's nice people will come down to London if it's raining cats and dogs there it is going to make a big big difference and I hope it is nice because we do do these things spectacularly well and if it isn't a great day, we've also we've already heard today that the fly pass might be scaled down or even cancelled. You know, what does that mean for people um, across the nation celebrating? I think it's a, it could all turn into a bit of a damp squib, couldn't it? But ever the optimist, I think it will be um, really exciting. I mean, I think we almost kind of personally. I kind of prepared myself. I mean, I was absolutely fearful of the time of when the Queen died. What would it mean? How under pressure we would be? We had to do it, you know, justice on the podcast, online, on the paper, you know, all the broadcasts we're doing. It's, it's that, that pressure was probably just me personally. And I kind of knew the nuts and bolts of what the coronation would, uh, sorry, what the funeral would be, because we'd been briefed. We'd had a walkthrough at uh, at Westminster Abbey, and so when you're faced with the coronation, we don't really know what it's going to be like. like I've I've watched the three hours of the Queen's one in the grainy black and white footage, but it's going to be drastically different. I mean the even the processions are going to be different, even the the timings, the people paying homage. I mean, we've talked about the people paying literally homage this week and the controversy surrounding that. It's going to be very, very different. And I just hope that, of course, we hope for their sake it goes without a hitch. There's a big, big security issue, of course. You mentioned the 
incident outside Buckingham Palace this week. No doubt they are on, you know, heightened alert, the security services. And I think when you're looking at the campaigns that are being run by Stop Oil and uh, another organisation such as that campaigning for the environment yeah i mean it's it's going to it's the biggest show on earth at the moment so it stands to reason that there may be instances um so i think there's an awful lot of nervousness everywhere not just me not just the police the royals i mean kate sort of touched on it today but it's a it's a big big deal isn't it so no wonder and you get one shot at it it's not like you get another go next year so, no, and and again, this could really cement his legacy because if it doesn't go well, if there are issues, if there are problems, what does that mean for him? Because it is him in the the spotlight, wearing gold robes and putting all these majestic outfits, these princely robes, and travelling in gold state coach, and you know, these are things from hundreds of years ago. Does that fit with the modern world? What do people think about the monarchy? There are poll after poll after poll this week. I said it in our in the newsletter that I've I've been writing, which if you haven't signed up, make sure you signed up. But one of my points this week was another day, another poll. But surely that is a big, big question for them because they do need to stay relevant in the in the modern world. And Charles is desperately for all his good-naturedness and he's just not that sort of person is he he's not going to be the one to be dragging this monarchy into the modern age he's going to need a lot of help through the younger members and will the coronation be an advert for a new beginning or will it be a spotlight of a forgotten age for some quick side note thinking about Mm. modernization do you think the royals are doing a few more selfies, being a bit more willing to pose for people with their cameras when they're doing walkabouts now? Yeah, I think I think there is definitely a a new way of doing things. I mean, I would I would think we I would have expected to see them a lot more out and about. Um, but I just don't think I I don't think they they want to be doing that before the coronation. I think mm. there's been an awful lot of planning that has been going on. But that aspect of wanting to connect with the public a bit more now that the Queen has gone. It's definitely an interesting concept. Yeah, because I feel in the past we've seen quite a lot of those sort of pictures of William leaning into the crowd as he's chatting with people, yes. whereas now I feel like we've seen a bit more of um, selfie or sort of uh, face-on stuff, so it'll be interesting to see how that evolves. Um, for all me being a bit like, you know, Coronation Eve Eve nerves, there's also massive excitement. So seeing our, the people I follow on Instagram um, through the podcast and seeing you know them flying in to come and be coronation visitors and tourists, I guess I'm quite jealous in some ways that they're just coming into London fresh and getting to experience it all rather than it's... No, I... Also, it just be, it's just London. It's yeah, where I live. and, and it's just our jobs as well yeah. because when I was... I've been down by Buckingham Palace today and sort of weaving in and out of the crowd and the amount of different accents, uh, languages being spoken, it's really really special and you really got a sense of oh gosh this weird is ramping up now and it really felt like the jubilee the, the funeral was such a a solemn moment um throughout the whole week or two it, the, the the atmosphere was in, obviously incredibly different but there is definitely an excitement in the air regardless of what you think i think this is of course there are people who are against this that think it's ludicrous that we sh- there was no business of a monarchy in a modern age and those voices can be heard i didn't really appreciate what the met police said today they said something like they were going to stamp out anybody who was going to 
try and create any kind of disturbance well you you have perfect right to protest and i think the the king himself would say that as well but just probably don't be chucking shotgun carriages into Buckingham Palace Gate. That probably doesn't go down too well. No, not so well. So, um, yes, yeah, so there was that this security scare earlier this week with an arrest. Um, but I think, you know, that seems to have been um, set aside as, as an individual um, having a particular issue rather than a, a, a sort of a specific security scare as such. But it does rather concentrate the mind. But going back to things that we are excited about, I think one thing that made everybody excited this week was seeing those incredible pictures and videos that came out of those overnight midnight rehearsals. I mean, maybe we should have just done the coronation at midnight, do it in the dark, and that feels a bit different. And then it doesn't matter whether it's blazing sunshine or raining because it's all all dark anyway. But, you know, absolute hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people parading in their uniform, the horses, the carriages, all of that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's still the scenes that we saw from the sort of dawn uh, rehearsals are incredible. Imagine the Queens had 45,000 troops on the ground and this is 7,000. It's still the biggest ever ceremonial gathering of British service personnel since 1953, which is pretty impressive. So it's going to be a bit bigger than anything we've seen. So it's more than the Queen's funeral? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. More than the Queen's funeral, more than the Jubilees. Um, And it's going to be... There was a fact I heard in a briefing, and I am a mind of useless facts that I had forgotten (laughs) long ago, but it was something like there is... They have practised one month for every... Oh, gosh. Is it every five minutes or something a month for every five minutes something like that okay like mi- a-, a month yeah that must be it anyway anyway you know. some, some sort of fact <laughs> like that it's a good fact right. and it was it just tells you sort of the scale of this walking pace behind the gold state carriage you may have seen my exclusive during the week revealing that princess anne is going to be the gold stick in waiting as part of her role of colonel of the blues and royals regiment of the household uh, cavalry and no better person, you may argue, to have that yeah. role because we talked about it last week, didn't oh, we? Oh, we did. Yes. Well, I'm losing my mind. Space I mean, time continuum. You know, catching I'm up so, with you. The, that again, seeing her in her finery, the Gold State coach is going to be incredible, and I do, I do think people were going to pack the streets. I think all these people saying nobody cares about this. This is just nonsense. I think enough people care, and judging just anecdotally from the amount of people that I have heard on the streets. There's a big going to be a big crowd in town. I am planning to go into town on my way home and just go yeah, see if should. I can soak up some of the atmosphere because it's my my one chance. Because I'm coming in with a little baby at the weekend. I don't think I'm not sure she would be up for it. Although she is a big fan of helicopters, so I think she would be well up for the fly past. Um, so you mentioned you'd been watching the 1953 coronation, and it's expected to be very different. But there will be some things that are very much the same. There's some chairs being reused. There's some robes being reused. Some Fancy oven gloves. Oven gloves. <laughs> Rus- Russell's fashion uh, chats. Well, you know, listeners of the podcast will know me. I'm renowned for my fashion knowledge. But uh, again, putting on the super tunica. I mean, all these language is just amazing, isn't it? Uh, the golden belt, the, all the princely robes, things that have been used since George the Fourth. I think, was has, probably goes back even further than that. No, I should, like, I know this. Very, you know very over the top like almost so so golden 
you don't know what they they don't look real. Here we almost. go. I'm going to yeah. It is the super tunica, which is my favourite word ever. Created <laughs> for George V in 1911, and later he's going to be putting on the imperial mantle, first worn by George IV in 1821, using all the coronations since 1911. So, I mean these sort of what do you call it? they call them vestments i'd never even heard this word up until this week had you russell's been learning a lot of new words i know Super I think vestments. I think we all have i'm gonna be, be very good in a pub quiz in a, in a few months but <laughs> not if you can't remember your facts like how well, long, yes. how many hours of marching oh they did i know all about them. orbs and rings i mean it all gets a bit <laughs> sort of lord of the rings and game of thrones doesn't it but it is going to be very very interesting watching all this taking place and i think they have really worked hard to remove the more lengthy periods of the coronation so they are trying to squeeze it into two hours that would be that would be good i mean it's still quite still quite long it's still um, quite long yeah so one of the things that they have cut which is long is the uh, the long succession of people making their individual pledges to the king and instead there's going to be this uh, sort of general oath to the king which we're invited to join in at home how is that how's that going to work do we know what the words are and that kind of thing and well it's created a bit of a you know a bit of a hoo-ha over this and i think a little bit unfairly because i think a lot of it was taken out of context now i was in this briefing with lambeth palace which is the office of the archbishop of canterbury and they have since come out and kind of had to defend this um request that's it's not even a request is it it's just opportunity. a opportunity to swear an oath of allegiance to the king and as you said that would have taken part for within the ceremony itself in westminster abbey and all the and then all the dukes coming up to pay homage well they did away with that because there's a couple of dukes so they probably didn't want there and um this opportunity shall we say is people will be able to say uh, or respond to the Archbishop of Canterbury, when he says, all who so desire, I was nearly doing your Queen's voice there, but <laughs> all who so desire in the Abbey and elsewhere say together, I swear that I will pay true allegiance to your majesty and to your heirs and successors according to law, so help me God. Then there will be a fanfare. Then Justin Welby says, God save the king and all are asked or given the opportunity to say, God save King Charles, long live King Charles, may the king live forever. Now, I won't be saying that, but if you want to, you can get involved. And I think the, the issue about it was, it was, I mean, it was a branded offensive, tone death, holding people in contempt. I mean, these are just a few of the choice words used by Republic. And of course, no prizes for guessing where they stand on the situation. But... To their in their defence, the um the clergy were pretty much just saying it's a remarkable moment. It's a ch chance for people to get involved. Technology us allows us to do this. That people can be following on the radio, online, on on the television, going to be played out in real time, isn't it? And people can get involved if you so wish. So, so I thought when I was thinking about it, I first heard about it. So I thought it's sort of a bit like the. A bit you get in some weddings where the congregation are asked, you know, will you essentially support this couple in their marriage yes. vows? And the congregation gets to say, I do, which is always quite funny, but um, but is also very moving. So I think I, I don't have a um, I think I think in some ways it's quite nice. I think possibly the wording of it feels more, I don't know, difficult in some ways because you're essentially 
pledging you know so pledging allegiance but i think also it's the final line of may the king live forever i mean i mean i don't think he even would want to live forever to be honest he'd get you know he's i mean his mum lived a really really long time and she never got a retirement at all really so you know i can't i mean i don't know who's going to be involved in this but if you if you just if you want to get involved it's it's it almost said seemed to me it's no different to having a, a party it's but if you're going to get involved, you're going to get. If you're not, if you're not bothered, you're not bothered. You can choose. Nobody's forcing it. you to do anything. But maybe I don't think they predicted. Well, they certainly didn't predict the backlash, and I've I felt a little bit sorry for them because they're just trying to do their best. And some people don't agree with it, but. One other thing I'm excited about this week, though, is Floella Benjamin carrying the sovereign scepter with Dove. She's a legend of 1980s. Um, children's TV so I'm sure she would have been a favourite of uh, William and Harry probably when they were growing up from play school so that's very exciting Um, and William is going to be giving a speech yes again um, exclusive we revealed it this week that he is going to be giving the speech at the Windsor concert and now on Sunday night Sunday night uh, line of which he will obviously be there Katy Perry take that who else going to be there Andrea Bocelli we're going to see some uh, a lot of eclectic musicians bit of dance bit of ballet and then uh, this is not from William by the Afro way Beats featuring, Afro Beats which I thought was really interesting is the winner of Strictly Come Dancing last year long time listeners of the Absolutely. podcast well now I'm a Strictly fan Absolutely. he did Afro Beats for his, um, his couple's choice which he felt was a very um, you know he was really moved by the uh, by the response to it well I suppose no prizes for guessing what uh, what uh, William will be saying to in his speech however with the interesting detail that I have been told which is he will be making a tribute to Camilla now that may of course be a no-brainer but on the backdrop of uh, on the background of Harry's comments about the dangerous wicked villain that is Camilla um, it tells you a very very different story doesn't it about how William will no doubt celebrate her for the work that she has done for the monarchy in her role as uh, as Duchess of Cornwall and then Queen Consort and I suppose a tribute to them as a couple because they do complement each other very well regardless of again what you think of them when you see them up close and personal as I do quite a lot of the time they do work very very well together and then anyone who's ever you know met them or spent a lot periods of time with them will tell you that they are very very good for one another Lots to look forward to with the coronation. And if you are still looking for a show-stopping pudding, then uh, Saffron Otter has a suggestion for you. She has tried one out that is one of the recommendations. We're back with the rest of the Royal News in just a bit. Hi, I'm Saffron, a features writer at The Mirror. So last week I attempted Chef Adam Hanling's strawberry and ginger trifle, which is one of the suggested recipes to celebrate the big coronation lunch. So I never bake, I rarely even cook for that matter, but despite my lack of skills in the kitchen, it was relatively simple to make. So there are just four layers, a Yorkshire parkin, strawberry jelly, ginger custard, and then fresh cream on top. So the parkin, which is like a sticky Jamaican ginger cake, just took a bit of mixing of the wet and dry ingredients before putting it in the oven, but I found that I had to cook it for a lot longer than suggested. I cheated with the jelly and just used heartless cubes instead of gelatin leaves, and again the custard was relatively easy with a few steps, but it was a bit of a slog with the whisking to get the consistency right. So after a few hours in the kitchen, by this point I was pretty knackered, So I place all the layers into my trifle dish and set it in the fridge overnight. So then the next day, I just had to make the fresh cream, which again was really easy, but it nearly took my arm off having to create the stiff peaks. So overall, 
Having to make the different layers was time consuming, but I liked how you could take your time with it and you could space it out over a few hours or even a day if you're busy. I would definitely make the Yorkshire Parking again as a standalone bake and I thought that the ginger flavours made a really unique trifle. However, the ingredients did cost a whopping £25, so it's definitely only a recipe to try if you're a big fan of ginger and are looking for a showstopper for your street party table to impress the neighbours, which I think it would do. After all, it ended up being about three times the size of my head, so there's definitely plenty to go around. So that sounded rather delicious. Um, before we finish, or before we move on to our interview with the Samaritans Church, I just want to look back on a couple of um, big TV things this week. There were Charles, the Charles Making the King documentary, which was on the BBC, so of him being told in his own words. Yes, I liked it. it was, I thought it was great. I mean, the BBC obviously do these things very, very well. We had the the Queen at 90, has, was a fantastic um, documentary, and this was sort of an evaluation and appreciation of his life. And I, I thought it was... Sig- the significance of it was played out as though Charles was an unwilling participant in a lot of this and that he was an awkward boy. He was sent away to boarding school. Then he really found himself when he was able to go to Australia. He's spoken quite passionately about Timbertops and how that really was the making of him in Victoria in 1966. See, I do have the facts sometimes. So, Because um, it's the year England won the World Cup. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then... Um, how he sort of developed into his role of Prince of Wales because of you know we know the history of he's been the longest heir apparent in history uh, held the Prince of Wales title for 50 odd years and so him having to find his feet as much as his mother did in those early years of her becoming queen and we we now know that he's pretty prepared for this job. I mean, Princess Anne said this week in a fantastic interview with, I think it was CBC, the Canadian broadcaster, um, that, you know, he's been doing, we've been practising for this job for quite a long time and we know what we're going to get. But he's had to really work at that and he's had to find his niche and grow out of this awkwardness that he did have within his character. And he spoke really candidly and passionately about having children how that changed him and you look at his life when he was talking about uh the threat to the environment the scourge of plastics back in the 70s taking the the lead from his father but then developing his own interest i mean he was absolutely ridiculed at the time they were calling him out of touch old-fashioned i mean this is back in the 70s you think you're calling him out of touch then when he was so revolutionary it's it's absolute madness but he i think he he takes it with good good humor and you saw a different side to him um when i've ever spoken to him i actually do think he has that genuine warmth about him and that he will want to do the the best he can i think that the issues with his family are really important to his reign and he does need to recognise that they do need to be sorted out because, you know, poll after poll is saying at the moment that people are turning off. And if Gen Z and people from different backgrounds, ethnic or religious backgrounds, are switching off as well, then that is a big, big pr- problem for the monarchy in staying relevant. And um, and, I, and I think he does want to, to try and help that situation. Well, you know, him talking about how much having the children meant to him that made it you know the sadness of now seeing how things are between him and harry and 
Harry and William. Um, other things that I thought slightly more mundanely, it was very cute the way that um, the Queen was putting his sort of his robes on in a very mum fashion when he was being yes, made Prince yeah, of Wales and yeah. a little kiss. Um, how much he looks like Prince William when he puts his helicopter helmet on and you can't see his hair and you just see that particular bit of his face. Absolutely. I had never clocked I it before. I believe it. It is a spitting image of him. And everybody always says about how William just looks like Diana. I mean, they, if you put those pictures together, it's really interesting uh, because that is, I stopped in my tracks. I thought, oh my gosh, he looks so much like him. And then finally, you know, seeing the pictures, the black and white sort of video of him toddling about in those home movies and things with the Queen and she, when she's just become Queen. And it's mad to think that this, you know, four-year-old child, to a certain extent, his life is already mapped out for it you know we've got we are parents of young children our, our kids who knows what they will be they've yeah. got <laughs> and to, and to not uh, the thing i feel of becoming a parent is um or just knowing any other children i suppose is that it's crazy to think that their lives won't be able they won't be able to do whatever they want it's all ma- it's mapped out it's, it's mapped it's out mad. it's, it's absolutely micromanaged from the moment they are born and i suppose that's what the Waleses are trying to do by giving their children a bit of normality by saying yeah we're gonna be in this institution it's us to work for the common good and teaching them those morals and how to be a decent person even though all this is going on the background and 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 that's really commendable because i think their way of parenting is certainly very very different to how charles was brought up and he's spoken about the relationships with his parents um and how that shaped him to the man he is today so if you haven't seen it you've got to watch it because i thought it was fantastic another one look worth looking up if you can find it is um the prince and the composer which was a documentary prince charles made about the composer uh parry who composed I was glad, which is part of the coronation music, but the way he was, you know, they had footage of him in Westminster Abbey looking up the aisle, which he will be walking up on Saturday and talking about the power of music and how some music can just waft you up the aisle. And I thought, you know, goodness, this is that's what he's going to be facing on Saturday. I mean, music is the thing that gets me if I'm going to go and get all emotional. It's music that does it to me. So hopefully, I mean, he's he's experienced it in various many ways so i'm sure he'll be fine but who knows might go you mentioned the princess anne interview yes tell me i mean there's been sort of rave reviews really for her um i guess openness and like willingness to to take on various different commentaries i guess there's different ways to interpret her i'm not sure about a slim down monarchy whether that just means actually we can't slim it down any further because there's no there's nowhere else to um to slim it down he's kind of already cut it and the people who were meant to be in it couple of them have yeah exited themselves yes yeah well a couple did and the other one sort of given the yep. job but um i mean i i took it to to mean exactly that because this whole concept of charles wanting to slim down monarchy has been talked about for years that whenever he got the top job he didn't want it to be bloated and wanted real value for money and whatnot um but from Anne giving giving an honest assessment, as you would well imagine, by saying you know this this concept was dreamt up long ago, where there were an awful lot more of us, and certainly Harry and Meghan would have been shouldering a lot of the the responsibility, and now that is squarely at Kate and William's door, and not able not able being sorry not able to lean on them is a is a big issue for them because not only they're working harder they've missed a trick i mean we've spoken so much about this haven't we that it, they could have been real shining lights if it had all worked out very differently but um i think it's interesting about what Anne was saying that 
once again, you know what you're getting with the king. He's very much dedicated to duty. Our role is to just support him. He's not going to change very much. We know what he's about. And yet, admitting that the monarchy does need to evolve. Um, evolution, not revolution, really, I suppose, is what she was getting at. So she, I think she won some fans, and that was very interesting. Right, a quick roundup of some other things that have been going on. William and Kate were in Wales last week. Last week, we got to see them doing abseiling and pizzas and general out and aboutness, which I'm sure they must have really loved, particularly with all this pomp and circumstance going on. There was a lovely happy anniversary picture that they shared on bicycles. Nice shot from Matt Porteous. Lovely pictures for Princess Charlotte's birthday growing up so fast. And a lovely quote from uh, Millie Pilkington, the photographer, who said, so honoured to have been asked to take your portrait, Charlotte, and even more so that your parents have shared this, which is the second picture of her with the dog, which was super cute. Thank you for making my shoot with you such fun. You are as beautiful in character as you are in life. Heart, which is very sweet. And um, Princess usually posted some nice pictures of her and Jack as well to celebrate his birthday. Here's to another 100 birthdays together. I mean... 100? I know. Well, maybe they could do 50 Well, they've got 50 good genes, haven't they? They've all got... Oh, I suppose 50 so. 50 each, maybe. Yeah, fair enough. That's all yeah, right. Um, Charles and Camilla welcomed their, their standards at Buckingham Palace last week, just after we recorded, I think. So that was bit the start of the pomp and circumstance. And then on the other side of the Atlantic, Megan signed with a new talent agency. So who knows? With a new what? look as well. So who knows? Sun-kissed. She's always sun-kissed. Yeah, I know, I know. I want to move to California. <laughs> I need a holiday. You already live at the seaside. It's nearly the same. Oh, I know. It's a, more of a whipping wind rather than a beautiful sunshine at the moment. Um, I'm not going to ask you what's coming up, Russell, because I think we know what's coming up, really. It's the uh, the coronation, the concert. My stress levels, I think. <laughs> My blood pressure. The, the bank holiday Monday, focusing on volunteering, which is why we're going to hear from the Samaritans very shortly. And then um, then hopefully Russell will get to have a little sleep and recover, reflect, and we will, we will reflect on all of the celebrations um, next Thursday. But Russell, good luck. Thank you. You're, you're Sign up to the newsletter if you haven't already. Yes. And we'll be bringing you lots of goodies. But Thank you for listening to, to us. And uh, there will be an awful lot to talk about. There will be, I'm sure. But stick around just now and let's hear from Keith Leslie, who is chair of the Samaritans, about what it is really like to work with King Charles as patron. As, the, as we run up to the coronation, I wanted to take a look at some of the charity work and the charities that our king and queen have been involved with over the years. Um, Prince Charles accumulated an absolute wealth of um, patronages during his time as Prince of Wales and um, one that really stood out for me and that I was in some ways slightly surprised by, I'd not quite clocked it, um, was the Samaritans, uh, which is a huge um, UK charity, which does a lot of very important work in um, the mental health area, um, helping people in distress. And I'm delighted to be joined by uh, the Samaritans chair, Keith Leslie, today. Keith, welcome to Pod Save the King. It's great to have you with us. It's great to be here. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Thank you. So, Tell us a little bit about um, Prince Charles, now King Charles's involvement with Samaritans and a little bit about the, the organisation itself. Well, perhaps the most important thing to say about the organisation, as it plays into uh, the King's role, is that we're one of the largest volunteer organisations in the UK and Ireland. We have 22,000 volunteers. We're available 24-7 by phone, text, email, web chat, letter, and indeed face-to-face -face occasionally. And we support people who are in distress. 
from what, for whatever reason, not we're often associated with suicide and we're named as a principal suicide prevention charity, but happily not everyone who calls us is contemplating taking their lives. They are often in distress and worried about issues and just need someone else to talk to. Not necessarily a therapist, but someone who's got time and interest just to listen and hear what they have to say. Now, the King has been our royal sponsor for over 20 years. And in fact, I believe he took over from a member of the royal family who had been a Samaritan's volunteer, Princess Michael of Kent, if I'm not mistaken, had been a volunteer for quite a long time. Now, those who were around in those days, because it predates me by a couple of decades, tell me that she was quite active in the early days. And then as her royal duties took more time, we would just see her occasionally taking calls. But when she stepped back from the role, then Prince Charles stepped forward and took it on. And he's been with us since then. And has he, uh, did he ever go on and take any calls? Because obviously volunteers need training and he's got a very distinctive voice. So I think I would recognize him if I rang up and it happened to be him on the end of the phone. Yep, or you might be thinking of someone who's doing a good imitation. <laughs> the, indeed, we do have quite extended training for our volunteers. We are open for more volunteers. So anyone listening who's interested should take a look at our website, which is easy to find because it's just samaritans.org. So uh, we're looking for more volunteers. But we ask people for two commitments. One is a commitment to training which is initially six weeks or so online, and then follow up with a mentor who sees you through the first six months or so as a probationary Samaritans listening volunteer. And then the second commitment we ask people for is a certain number of three to four hour shifts a month. That varies a little bit branch by branch. We are divided up into 200 branches covering the UK and Ireland. And each branch has a high degree of autonomy to tailor what it's doing to the people who volunteer there. But we do look for a certain number of shifts per person. And how, so as patron, how, um, I'm gonna call, how has Charles been involved with the uh, charity over the years? I think there's probably two or three different levels. At the very highest level, just having his name on the website is an important signal that the stigma that's been associated in the past with mental health and indeed with suicide and extreme distress is eroding. So it is, it is an important symbol for us. Secondly, uh, I and the chief exec do keep him in the picture of what's happening in Samaritans. And we do have discussions with him uh, occasionally about what's on our mind, things that he can be aware of in other discussions he's having. But probably the highest profile thing is when he chooses to visit groups of volunteers. And that these days, of course, he's quite busy, so it doesn't happen too often. But when it does happen, our volunteers frankly love it. So I was in Gloucester when he visited our Gloucester branch for its 50th anniversary party. And of course, that's in many ways his local branch near Highgrove. So he came to that one. I've since had to disappoint quite a lot of other branch directors celebrating 50th and 60th anniversaries who are saying, well, can't we have then the Prince of Wales, now the King, come and cut our cake and give a little speech? 
but I'm afraid that's a little bit too much to expect when there's 200 of them. So that event, the of course, I was there to welcome him, but he's not coming to speak to me. He's going to meet the volunteers. And you could just see the room lighting up as he uh, enthusiastically and quite energetically bounced into the room and greeted people and then sat down and chatted with them. And he spent a good hour just chatting with volunteers who weren't on duty because, of course, we were arranging for them to have time and space to chat with him. And then out to um, uh, the garden where there was tea and coffee and he cut a cake and we uh, thanked him for coming. And he said, well, I suppose I should say a few appropriate words, shouldn't I? And of course, that's not planned or pre-written. We hadn't wanted to insist that he would be doing anything other than turning up and chatting to people. But he said, well, I suppose I'll say a few words. And of course, he's pretty well practiced at these kind of things. So it was very well attuned to the group. And he, you can see him scanning the room, seeing who's in the room and tuning what he's going to say to them. The group there was uh, predominantly female and I would say predominantly middle-aged or a little bit older. So he was speaking to that audience and talking about how life has changed in recent decades and it's much tougher for particularly younger people and how hugely appreciative he was of people doing things that he said he himself couldn't see himself doing because it's so demanding and therefore he admired them for what they were doing. So it was all you know, appreciative, relatively general, but beautifully tuned to the group. And everyone just seemed to have a very good time, including him. And when we were chatting before recording, you did mention that in a previous um, in a previous version of your works, away from the Samaritans, you'd you'd met the the king, the Prince of Wales, as he was then previously. Like how how what was that meeting like, and how is he? How do you think he's changed in those intervening decades? Yeah. So just to give your listeners a little bit of background, so my day daytime job, my career has been in business. So back in 1981, which would just have been a month or two before his wedding to Diana, uh, he came to visit the business that I was working in a very junior entry-level role. It was called ICFC, Industrial and Commercial Finance Corporation, which some of your listeners might remember. It's long gone now, so this is not a commercial advert advertisement. But basically, we funded small businesses. So he was coming for a visit to understand more about the challenges of getting small businesses off the ground and them getting long-term finance. And I don't actually remember very much about the business we discussed, but I was really impressed with the quality of the questions he asked. And I went away from that meeting. And of course, he was in the news hugely then as he is now because the wedding was coming up. And I said to people, well, I haven't met him bumped in the office. And he is clearly and clearly remains a very intelligent man who is used to meeting people from all backgrounds, so is very good at it and very good at asking questions. And I think at the time back in 1981, I didn't properly appreciate that. It was now 40 years on through series of business careers and sharing mental health charities. The principal tool I think I deploy is asking good questions. And it's one of the things I value most. And you can see again, when he was visiting our volunteers in Gloucester, 
it's something he's very good at. And it's a good way to build rapport with a bunch of people you've never met before. It was interesting when you were saying about how he kind of arrived into the room bounding in um, that he was, uh, you know, that's not quite how I imagine him, if you like, because you, sort of, you sort of see him as a relatively, he's often presented as quite a sort of a staid public figure and quite reserved, but it sounds like he maybe sort of comes to life in those more private engagements and where he knows he is the focus and he is, he is bringing the energy to the room. I think I agree with most of what you say, although it's a bit of amateur psychology, really, isn't it? But I think that he does enjoy small groups and actually enjoys when he's not the focus of media attention and probably can be more himself. And he's meeting a group of people working in a cause that they and he share. So there's a mutual energy and interest in the topic. And I think that comes over. And as I said, he did uh, come into the room uh, quite lively and grinning and went round and shook hands with everyone. You could see he was drawing energy from the group. And you mentioned that you keep him up to date on the work of the Samaritans. Are there any particular initiatives over the years that he's been particularly involved in or champions? The, we're quite careful about the, the topics that we ask him to be involved in. So I think don't think it's appropriate to engage. And this was the case in other charities where I've been in the chair. We were at Royal Patrons. It's not appropriate to get them engaged in something as grubby as fundraising, for example. And it's not appropriate to ask them to put in a phone call to the prime minister. We'd never contemplate anything like that, saying, do this differently. But he does talk with a lot of people on all kinds of issues. So raising with him some of the subtleties about what's going on in the world of mental health and suicide prevention is, I think, quite helpful both to him and to us. That then enables him to say, well, that's interesting. I heard this from Samaritans. What's, what do you as some other organization or some other agency think on the same issue? So the kind of things that we point out to him are the growth of our web chat service. So Samaritans is best known for the telephone service. And in its day, when it began 70 years ago, the first phone call was taken by Chadvara on the 2nd of November, 1953. So we're coming up to precisely the 70th anniversary. Now, Chadvara was a technological revolutionary. He realized the potential in this amazing new device called the, tel the telephone. And I'm hamming it up a bit because, of course, we regard the telephone as own technology now. But it's still what we're known for, and we're known for it because it was then revolutionary. But now we have an email service and notably a web chat service. So it's not quite texting. People who want to contact us go onto our website and connect with web chat. And that's offered um, most evenings of the week. And what we find, of course, this wouldn't surprise your listeners, I'm sure, that the people who contact us by web chat tend to be younger. And they also tend to be much more in distress much more suicidal ideation than we find on the phone service. And so that's interesting because it's different and it's growing and it's looking at the younger demographic. So it's that kind of insight into what's changing with his people and with 
ways of um, finding our way to those who are in distress that he could find interesting and connect with other things going on. And what difference does it make having the royal family engaging on mental health? Because there's obviously Prince Charles' involvement with Samaritans. We've seen um, William and Kate and Harry and Meghan all involved at various stages in different ways with um, the Mental Health Minute and the Heads Together charity and launching the Shout text messaging service. And they've, I don't know, maybe just because I'm, that's been the period of time when I've been looking more closely at the royal family, but it does feel whether they've brought it or it's coincided with a shift in society that talking about mental health it is a lot less taboo now and is recognised as hugely important. Do you think Do you think the royal family has made a difference in that space? I'm absolutely a fan of what they've done in mental health, no question about it. And I'm picking up on a comment you made about, it may depend a little bit on one's own demographic. So my mother, was seriously mentally ill her entire life. And so as teenagers, my sister and I, well, we had to cope with that. And if we had today's vocabulary, we would have called ourselves teenage carers, but we didn't have that vocabulary in the 1970s. So we didn't call ourselves that, but it was a very difficult issue to deal with because nobody would talk about it. Our grandparents, I think were embarrassed and didn't want to talk about it. Certainly, there was no discussion of it outside the home or with school friends or anything like that. Now, I, that kind of has stayed with me, of course, as it does. And it was around about the turn of the century when mental health started to be a topic people talked about again. And I started to get involved at work and with different charities and said, OK, this is my moment to re-engage with something that actually was part of my life from near enough to start. And that was only a few years before the royal family and others started talking about mental health. And I well remember the first charity I got involved with, the chief exec said, forget ever fundraising for mental health. No one's interested in that. It'll never attract a penny. And if he could just see what we're doing now, he'd be astonished. And the, the royal family during that period, we, as I remember it, from about 2005 onwards, getting really heavily involved, I think have been part of enabling us to talk about mental health, enabling mental health charities. And Samaritans isn't strictly a mental health charity, it's more broadly people in distress. But we benefit from the fact that people now talk about it, are willing to consider supporting it, might, as I do remember, instances from their past when they wished they could have talked to someone and maybe couldn't. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and thinking about the coronation weekend, um, so the bank holiday Monday sort of been designated a bit for volunteering. Do the Samaritans have any special plans for bank holiday Monday or any celebrations with your volunteers or anything like that? Absolutely we do. So all of the big volunteering organisations are going to be evident on that day, uh, you'll see uh, the Scouts and Girl Guiding who are the only two volunteer organizations bigger than us and us and others, all offering ways to get involved. In the case of Samaritans, uh, on our website, you, you'll be able to find what's going on in your local branch, but there may be an opportunity to drop in, taster, 
uh, discussions with other volunteers or just find out what's going on. It is important to say that not all our volunteers are listening on phone calls. A number specialize in the written word, which is no, it's probably also what I would prefer to do. But we also have lots of volunteers who support uh, in other ways, fundraising, helping manage the branch, reaching out to different groups in the communities. So we have lots of people who are supporting through volunteering without necessarily taking calls. And I'm aware that many people say, you know, it would just be too tough for whatever reason for me to take a call like that. And I have huge sympathy for that, but you can support us in many other ways. So thank you so much for your time today. Um, I think it's only fitting that we should give you a chance to give your message to the king and queen as they begin their, their reigns officially with the coronation weekend. Um, yeah, what, what do you hope for them in their, in their new roles? Well, I think firstly it would be to say congratulations and thank you to them for what they do. And that is the message I always give to all of our volunteers first at every meeting. Just thank you for what you do. And I hope that they uh, have a long and happy reign and that what they want to see change changes for them. Well, Keith, thank you so much for joining us today and telling us about the Samaritan's work and about um, Charles's work with the Samaritans. It's been um, really lovely to hear about the work and a uh, huge admiration for the volunteers' dedication and um, expertise in often I'm sure very difficult situations so I think it's only fair that I should say a thank you to them via you as well so thank you so much for joining us today Keith. Thank you for having me. So that's it for another busy royal week we'll be back next week to find out whether our uh, butterflies and nervousness about the coronation were you know just just first night nerves and everything went out fine or whether oh we've already got a royal crisis on our hands hopefully not the last <laughs> I guess I'm not sure Russell will be able to take it no he will I'm sure he would step up whatever whatever happens but it would be nice to have something to celebrate I'm sure we will I'm sure we will and I hope you all enjoy your celebrations wherever you are watching the coronation this weekend check us out at podsave on twitter and instagram and until next time Pod save the king! <laughs> <laughs>